Welcome to another episode of Wrestling for the Faith. Here are your hosts, Casey Cage and WWE's Jackson Riker, Chad Lale. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I'm Casey Cage. And I am Chad Lale. I was wondering if he's going to throw me a softball today, brother. I was like, no, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't ever know how to you don't ever know uh-huh. how to start this thing. I'm I'm just kind of <laughs> I keep calling it in the ring and calling different stuff. So yeah. Keep you on your toes. <laughs> Got to, got to. Uh, how how's it been, man? I saw you uh, post some pretty pictures of the the Golden Gate Bridge out there. Yeah, man, I've been there. See, San Francisco. I've been back in 2014 or 15, so I got a chance to see it during the day. And on the way uh, leaving the arena last night, obviously I had a like a, a red eye midnight flight. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go check it out at nighttime. So I drove over there, and, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. I drove across it. 2015 it's man it's so massive and just uh it's just really cool though because there's a big park around it so you can walk these trails and everything yeah um but yeah every time i go to san francisco i always like to go to the golden gate bridge so it was a nice picture yeah very nice peaceful out there wasn't nobody out there but me (laughs) (laughs) that's the kind of times i like me too brother me too last week we uh we're about at the end of chapter nine. We talked about how Saul had uh, given his life to the Lord and how he had gotten with Barnabas and the other disciples and began preaching. And, and he was, uh, it says that he was disputing uh, with the Hellenist and they attempted to kill him in verse 30. It says when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. So, uh, well, let's read verse 31. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. That's Mm -hmm. so out of all the persecution, even though, even though they were trying to kill him, then he, he goes on and still the church is at peace. That's a big thing that we need to understand. Even though when the, when the world is in chaos around us, we can still have peace. If we know the peacemaker. I think it's a real quick point to make. And I had written it down and we just didn't get a chance to touch on it last week about that was at the beginning of chapter nine, you see that the church, like kind of like you mentioned was being persecuted on into the end of chapter nine. And right here, like you just mentioned, uh, the church being at peace, but, you know, the church growing, it continued to grow. So, yeah, as you just mentioned, and I'll piggyback off of it with what we're going through in the nation and our world, you know, uh, all the stuff that went on in 2020, man, we can always have faith that God's amazing and he's continuing to work and that the body of Christ is going to continue to grow. They can they can try and shut us up. They can, you know, try and persecute us like they did Paul and the others. Uh, but you just see the mighty hand of God always continuing to work uh, during this persecution. I love it. It is. It's amazing. We've talked about it before, but you know, they've been trying to shut us up for over 2000 years and man, I mean, the body of Christ is still around. There's still people preaching boldly. And uh, that's a testament to the Holy spirit, uh, living inside of us, because, uh, I know some people would try to disagree, but if you really got down, 
uh, to the facts of it, uh, Christians, uh, if you wanted to call us a religion, we are the most persecuted religion in the world. Right. And why is that? Why do people, if, if our God is not real, then why do people hate him and his followers so much? Yeah. And my pastor spoke about it um, this past Sunday about, you know, he was preaching on the word and how, you know, the problem is, is God's word never changes. You know what I mean? They, they, as, as times go on, they want to try and rewrite the Bible to conform to the patterns of the world, you know, but uh, that's just not how our God is like that. That word is solidified is not changing. And that's the problem is, is it's truth and truth and love as Jesus, you know, walked the earth. He, he, he told the truth. He spoke the word of God and it was in love and he, and he, instructing us to do the same. But I think that's the problem, man, is, is our, uh, our Jesus kind of, you know, I guess, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He offends people, you know, it offends many people. And that's that conviction we spoke of last week. That's mm-hmm. that conviction. I believe it's in their hearts, whether they know God as their Lord or Jesus as their Lord and savior, they're still being convicted. And that's why they want that word to change, you know, but it's not going to. Like you said, some 2000 years. I mean, a lot of the Old Testament stuff, obviously written way before then. Right. So, yeah. uh, You know, Paul said the cross is an offense and and the the message of the cross is an offense to lost sinners. And it's an offense to uh, the religious spirit. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the religious people want to be able to say, I did something to earn the grace of God. I did something. I went to church enough. I read my Bible enough. I, I paid enough tithes. I helped enough poor people. I did all of these great things. And that in turn earned me the grace of God, but that's not how it works with the, with the lost sinner. Uh, they uh, are stuck in selfish pride as well. And they don't want to admit that they need a savior. They don't want to admit that they uh, can't uh, get to heaven or whatever you want to, whatever you want to say in that place. They, they don't want to admit that they need a, uh, a savior to uh, help them and, and to, to give them the grace of God. So it's kind of the same on both sides, but man, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. You was talking about it just a second ago when we sit back and realize that we have a good God and he, he loves us. I love that song. Good, good father. And you know, he loves us and he wants the best for us. And when we can come to the place where we rest in the finished work of Christ. And, and we're not trying to work our way uh, into heaven. We're not trying to work our way into the good graces of God, but we are resting in the finished work of Christ. We've talked about this before. Just because you're resting don't mean that you're doing nothing. And it, it does not mean that you're out living a lifestyle of sin. When you're truly resting in the finished work of Christ, you'll be doing more for God than you ever have, but you're doing it under the power of the Holy spirit, not your own power. But when we find that rest, when we come to that place where we can rest and just sit back and realize that we have a good God 
He is in control. And whether we understand it or not, whether our circumstances uh, seem to show it or not, he loves us and everything that he does is good and right. Mm -hmm. I think you hammered it, bro. I can't really add much more. <laughs> I mean, you, you just, nope, you said it right, man. We, we serve an awesome God, brother. And it's crazy to see the, uh, just the, the messy, messy people that he continues to use in this day and this time. And, uh, throughout the Bible, we see Paul and I just, you know, man, and, uh, I love it. So I, I think you said it well there. Yeah. So the end of chapter nine here, it turns, uh, we turn back to Peter after it says that uh, they sent Saul to Tarsus. And uh, so it says in verse 34, uh, let's see. Uh, well, Peter runs up on this guy. Let's start at verse 32. Now, it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints at Leda. There he found a certain man, Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus, the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Leda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. How powerful of a testimony is that? All yeah. who saw him turned to the Lord. So they, they seen this miracle. And that's the, that's the thing. Miracles, healings, and, and the gifts of the Spirit, things of that nature, they're not just to puff up the Christian. They are to, they're to show the power of God and turn people to him. Yeah. And I think you and I spoke about it today, man. I sent you something about, uh, you know, someone – and, and you hear it quite often. They're talking about the, these gifts that are not relevant today, these things that are not relevant today. And I just don't believe that, you know, because Jesus uh, instructed these to go be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, you know, those who obviously speaking of um, of us in the future, we're, we're going to have these gifts of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe that they died and went anywhere. So, I mean, we just see that Peter continues to heal. Peter continues to, in the name of Jesus, um, you know, continue to share the gospel. And, and I'd like to know how many it says all the residents of Lita, I guess is how you say it, and share and saw him and they turned to the Lord. I'd like to know if there's a significant amount of people there, but it's just another, uh, you know, just another testimony of, of the power of Christ, the word continuing to grow, church continuing to grow, um, miracles continuing to happen. So just a lot to learn there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, verse 36 says, At Joppa there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman, full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did, but it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room, and since Leda was near Joppa, the disciples had heard that Peter was there. They sent two men to him imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had, when he had come, they brought him into the upper room and all the widows stood by him weeping 
showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her, then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. So there we go again. Two, yeah. two back-to-back miracles with Peter uh, where he, in, by the power of the Holy Spirit, heals someone, and then the whole city, you know, turns to Jesus. Yeah. I'd like to touch on, too, I mean, you got that there that you just mentioned, but when I was reading this, my, I just kind of started thinking about how Jesus completely, like, um, <laughs> I guess, uh, transformed the whole, I guess, um, Jewish tradition of, of the women. You know, the, the ones who found the tomb empty were women. And then you have this disciple who is a woman who in these times, you know, from what I've been reading is, is the women really didn't have no say so that no, you know, the, the Jewish community or whatnot, um, they weren't allowed to teach. They weren't allowed to do anything. They were just whatever homemakers, you know, whatever it is, servants. Mm-hmm. And I think it's amazing to think of how Jesus completely transformed that. And now you have a woman that's a disciple, you know what I mean? Um, and, and even Peter, I mean, going in here and healing this woman, Peter had to be, you know, before he met Christ, one of those who was perhaps of that Jewish uh, mindset of like, nope, my wife, this is what you do. You don't, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then he, you know, just see a complete transformation, man. So I don't know. It's just, it's, um, I was thinking about that as I read it, just something else that Jesus completely turned their world upside down. Well, that's something too. Uh, I, you sent me a video the other day. It was talking about the, the facts of the resurrection. And, uh, and that was one of the things that it mentioned that really I had never thought about, but they, they used uh, women to find the tomb empty. Yeah. So if they were making up this resurrection, trying to make up this, this religion, uh, they would not have used women in that culture because their, their uh, testimonies were not considered to be valid. So why why would the Bible talk about uh, women finding Jesus no longer in the tomb? It, it seems like that's something that if people were just trying to make up a religion, they wouldn't yeah. have done that because women were basically second-class citizens uh, during that day. Like you said, servants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another one there. I mean, with Dorcas, uh, which, which that name always makes me laugh, uh, <laughs> Tabitha, whatever you want to call it, but it, there's another one. Like if this was just some made up, you know, fairy tale that we were, was written throughout the years, they would have not put that in there. That this woman was a disciple, you know, right. you know, that's just something like, like you mentioned, the women found the empty tomb. They guess not, they wouldn't have written, they wouldn't have written that. It would, they would have made something up that. So, you know, Peter found the empty tomb and, you know, all this stuff, but dude, yeah. it's just, Hey, I don't know. So it's good stuff. All right. Moving into chapter 10. 
Now, this is another interesting chapter, and we've touched on it, I know, uh, in the very beginning when we first started this study, but uh, now we'll get to see it in its entirety. But it says in verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. Okay, before we move any further, a centurion was basically a Roman soldier. Uh, actually, he he was a, basically a commander over a certain regiment, you know. Um, so this is a Roman. This is a Gentile. This is where... Jesus continues to turn the Jewish traditions upside down uh, because as we'll see here in a little bit, uh, Peter talks about it. They were not allowed to keep company with, uh, with someone who was not a Jew. So God uh, brings this man Cornelius on the scene, a Roman soldier. And uh, it says that he was a devout man who feared God. Uh, and he prayed always. Okay. But as we're going to see, just because he was devout does not mean that he was saved. Right. And so there again, a lot of people who might be religious, who might be in church every time the doors are open, who might uh, read their Bible every day or you know, go through all kinds of uh, rituals and routines and everything. Just because you're doing that does not equal uh, salvation. Yeah. The, I got some notes right here in my Bible that um, it says uh, Cornelius was a religious Gentile. He was a God fearer, not a Christian. And it just kind of, it adds that many Gentiles at that time were attracted to the moral and ethical standards of Judaism and even attended synagogue meetings where they listened to the teachings of the Old Testament. So like you just mentioned, they yeah. kind of went through the motions. You know, they were kind of maybe uh, they, they enjoyed hearing about God or they, you know, they were just kind of attracted by this, this law or whatnot. But it doesn't mean that they were living for, you know, obviously it doesn't mean that they were, were Christians or saved or believed in Jesus Christ either. So, right. um, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, you'll hear a lot of people say, well, you know, if you just take the teachings of Jesus, uh, you know, I, I like the teachings of Jesus. That's all good. Yeah. But as far as surrendering to him and being led by him and repenting, <laughs> you know, that's the part that they don't like. You know, the the regular, hey, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You know, most people right. are like, yeah, I can get with that. Um, but when it comes to repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They're like, eh, mm, I want to hold yeah. on to my own life here. Yeah. Like you and I have spoken before. It's like, oh, you, you, oh yeah. Jesus. Hey man, I, you know, him and I talk every once in a while, but I don't know if I give my life to him, man, I don't know if it's going to be that fun. Like I'm having a good time living in the world right now. And I've been there, dude, I've yeah. been there, you know, and, and th- that's the mindset, but, Lo and behold, like you and I have said many, many times, it's like, no, there's no other better life. You know, you'll realize there's nothing that can take 
the place of Christ, no drug, nothing. And it's just, uh, you see it. And I, I got buddies that live that way. And it's just, I try and, uh, be a testimony to them and just share my story. Yeah. Yeah. So verse, uh, let's see, verse three, it says about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. So what ends up happening is they, they send these guys to find Peter in Joppa. Now, while Peter is in Joppa, uh, we'll pick up in verse nine here. It says the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again a second time, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. So right here we see now uh, if, if people are maybe uh, not believers or new Christians or maybe even just Christians who have never uh, really looked into the Old Testament, uh, you can go back to like Leviticus chapter 11 and see this list of these clean animals and unclean animals. And, you know, it was, uh, it was a list of what God told the Jews that they could eat and what they could not eat. And so once again, like we talked about a minute ago, Jesus flipping everything upside down here, he sends, sends this vision to Peter and shows him a bunch of unclean animals and says, Kill and eat. <laughs> yeah. That is because of Jesus' sacrifice, man. If you look at verse 15, there says, What God has made clean, do not call common. And if so, my Bible, and I just realized that this is apparently Jesus speaking to him because uh, it's in red letters in my Bible. Right. So, um, so that voice that came to him said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat is in red. And so, He's saying, hey, I went to the cross and died to make these these folks clean. Because Peter's mindset, I think, at that time was um, the Gentiles were still not worthy, maybe. You know what I mean? Right. They were still not worthy. He, he was – we know Peter's a hothead. We've, we've heard that before. And, and, and this was something that, that Jesus was working on because he knew that Peter was going to take this message to the Gentiles even more with him and Paul. Um, so this is an eye opener for Peter, I believe where, where Jesus is like, Hey dude, 
don't call them common, you know, yeah. go share this, go share this word, go, you know, continue to share the gospel because this centurion here is a Gentile. So this is a big opportunity for him. Right. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a, a thing right there that, uh, man, my mind just went blank. What I was, <laughs> mind does that all it time. just, it just left me. Um, <clears throat> well, Oh, what I was going to say is, you know, I believe from my understanding of it, the way the Jews, Peter and, and the, the apostles kind of felt about it was that salvation, what Jesus did was for the Jews. Uh, because, you know, he was, it was always considered that there was going to be a Jewish Messiah. And so he was going to uh, deliver his, the children of Israel, basically. And so I believe the Jews always looked at it like, well, he's our Messiah. What he Mm -hmm. did was for us and everybody else, you know, they're just going to hell. Um, But here we see uh, Jesus speaks to him and, and tells him that, uh, that he is also made the, uh, the Gentiles clean uh, or that, that salvation is for them. And I believe it wasn't until um, about the time that Paul received the message of the cross that he went back and began to share with all of them. Because if you go to like Galatians chapter two, uh, two, yeah, chapter two, I think, uh, where they talk about um, where it talks about Paul confronting Peter because they were they were in this little gathering spot and Peter yep. uh, instead of sitting with the Gentiles when the Jews come in he got up and went over there you know like oh yep. I'm down there and you know it said that uh, Paul withstood him to his face so oh yeah basically called him out in front of the crowd. Dude. Yeah. And you, so it's crazy to see that like an Acts, you see acts here where Peter's being spoken to by Jesus to, to go share this message, uh, uh, you know, calling these things unclean or whatnot. Then you go into Galatians and, and I'm not sure like the time difference there between acts and that, that situation, but Peter's still being, you know, hotheaded, still mm-hmm. being headed, and God using Paul to call him out, Paul out of all people to call Peter. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's all, I mean, it, and dude, I just read a, uh, you know, an interesting book by Dr. Brown called the real kosher Jesus. And it's just talking about who Jesus is to the, the Jews. Uh, and because of what God, you know, sent his one and only son to die, there was this opportunity for the message to not only be for the Jews, but to be for the Gentiles, meaning, you know, you and I, cause I'm not Jewish, yeah. you know, we're the gen, we're the Gentiles, man. We're the ones that, you know, where it says go make disciples to the ends of the earth. Like that's, what Jesus was talking about. You know, he, he came, he knew his purpose. He, he, he came for his purpose. And I've taken back real quick. I tried to sidetrack, but watching the chosen last night, and there was a scene where Jesus is walking into, into the city and there's some criminals that are hanging on the cross. And there's just this moment where there's no music playing. There's no noise. And Jesus just looks at the cross and it's not a long scene. It's probably five seconds. And then he proceeds into the town and it's just powerful to me because Jesus, it, it showed me that, you know, 
those three years he was on earth, or not three years, those 33 years he was on earth, he already knew his mission. Yeah. And it was to pay the ultimate sacrifice for sinners who were going to reject him, um, who were going to love him, but sinners, you know, he, the, he knew he was dying for not only the Jews, but for the Gentiles also. Mm-hmm. So just a powerful scene last night. Yeah, I, I believe I've watched that one. Um, you know, another one that you was talking about him knowing uh, what his what his ultimate end was and what he was yeah. there for. Uh, you know, he's like 12 years old and they're at this feast and they lose him. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's preaching in the synagogue. And then when <laughs> it says, uh, I can't remember which one of the gospels, it might be in all of them, but, uh, but it says when Mary found him, she's, you know, doing what any normal parent would do. Where have you been? What are you, why did you run off? Sure. And what was his response? I was about my father's business, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. It's so funny. Woman, don't you know I, I need to be about my father's business? <laughs> oh, man. And when I know. you say that in today's culture, they're like, he talked to his mama like that? No, that was actually no. uh, like ma'am in today. So right, right. woman was not like a disrespectful term, but the, <laughs> it always cracked me up. He's like, woman, do you not know that I need to be about my father's business? Yeah, so even at that age, he, he knew where he was, where he was destined to go. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. And it's another little tidbit of information I heard. Uh, I think it was reading that book as well. Jesus apparently never traveled more than like a 50, 50 mile, like, I guess, you know, range of where he was from. So it's not like he was traveling two, three, 400 miles. He never really went far. 50 miles wasn't far for 33 years. You know what I mean? But it just shows the power that this, uh, that the son of God had, man, like just the impact that he had. And so he, he knew that his mission, uh, was ultimately to die for our sins and to take these, these 11, because, you know, Judas obviously betrayed, but take these 11 apostles, disciples and their job. That was their mission to, to, to spread the gospel. And we see that. So, you know, they, they shared the, the message to the Gentiles and uh, it's just crazy. It's crazy, man. It is amazing. I've never thought about it that way, but if he only traveled in a, about a 50 mile radius. Yeah. And yet over 2000 years and the world, there's still multiple people in every country around the world who's still talking about Jesus, still ta- still teaching what he taught. Yeah. For a man who didn't get out much, right? He sure did make an impact, and that's why, you know, in uh, in the Gospel of John, where he's talking about the Holy Spirit coming, and he said, "It is expedient that I go away." So the comforter can come. And the reason I've heard people put it like this, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, if Jesus was right here beside me, no, he's in you. Yeah. And so, so here's the thing. If Jesus was still just here physically in a human form on earth, he can only be one place at, at a time. Right. But now with the Holy Spirit and all born again believers being the temple of the Holy Spirit, then he can be everywhere at one time. 
and oh, yeah. move through different people all at the same time. Yeah. So that's that why I believe that those gifts. Yeah, that's why I believe those gifts that we talked about earlier that you know some say are not for this day and time. I I, I don't understand biblically where they get that from because the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's not going to reside in us and go, oh, I'm going to take these gifts away. You know, this, it just doesn't make any sense to me, man. Cause you still see miraculous healing. You still see those speaking in tongues. You still see um, j- just so many different gifts of the spirit, man, that are still flourishing and um, just things happening. But you're right. Like, dude, if, yeah, I, I hear that often. And I've said it years ago, man, if Jesus is just here beside me, well, you know, would I be going through this or what happened? Now, as I've grown in my faith, I realize, no, 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 because, I mean, we have so much more with the Holy Spirit being in us. There's so much more we can do, and there's that word just continues to flow. Amen. I believe that's a good wrap-up place. I agree. We'll continue yeah. next week and, uh, and see where Peter goes after, uh, after Cornelius's men come and, and get him. That, that's yeah. where the story gets interesting. I agree, brother. Awesome. All right, guys. If you have questions, thoughts, comments, feel free to email us, wrestlingforthefaith at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, even though I really don't use many of them too much. (laughs) You ain't missing out. (laughs) Real Casey Cage. Yes, and you got me on Twitter, Instagram, at Jackson Riker WWE. So hit me up. All right, guys. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Wrestling for the Faith is now available on YouTube. Just go to YouTube.com and search Wrestling for the Faith.